0: All right, since we're studying on meditating, let's back up and cover a few things. We got no big hurry tonight. Let's cover a few things we reviewed We covered point A and B, one and two, and we found out a few things that when God sent these letters, these chapters, and these books, that he sent them in the form of chapters, and even better than that, a better way to explain it is Jesus, whenever he taught on a subject, he taught a total thought. He had a subject to arrive at, and he taught it. And And when we get into the Word of God, sometimes we take scriptures out, and it's part of a total thought. And then we use them scriptures to form doctrines or to base our own personal beliefs on. Now, a lot of us, we dig into scripture, and all denominations are guilty of this, and God forbid that we steer clear of that trap, that we'll dig in and take our experiences which are not worked by the Word, but we'll dig until we find Scriptures to back up our experiences instead of demanding that our experiences line up with the Word. A lot of us get caught in that trap. We say, well, it's Scripture, yes, but a Scripture is one part of a total thought. Now, Jesus said, I receive what I receive from my Father, and therefore I deliver it to you. Now, when Jesus received his Father... He received what we call revelation knowledge. In other words, whatever he spoke was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul called out a due season, and he delivered the revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament from Genesis clear through to the New Testament, all the way to the book of Revelation. It's called revelation knowledge. That these men were called of God, and the Holy Spirit moving through their spirit brought this out and recorded what was given to Jesus. Now, this is real interesting because these men had what we call revelation knowledge. That's what's recorded in, in these books. Now, the reason he said the Holy Spirit is sent to guide you into all truth because the truth that's in here was given by the Holy Spirit and it can only be given back by the Holy Spirit. The carnal mind can figure, it can connive, it can reason things away. But the Holy Spirit was given to you and I to lead us into all the teachings of Jesus, all the truth that's contained in this Word. Now, He gives to you and me. I call it an art because it's something that can be developed, the art of meditating in the Word of God. Meditating. Now, basically, a breakdown on meditating is this, is when you give yourself to the Holy Spirit Now, myself, I know there's different ways to meditate, but we've learned an effective way. I get somewhere where it's quiet enough when I first begin to where I can lock every outside influence out. And I lock my attention, I force myself at first because my mind is more interested in other things. It's running, it's thinking, it's going wild. And I take authority over it, and usually by praying in tongues for an hour or so. And when I do, it causes a rest to come over me and quiets my mind down, quiets my ears down, it shuts my senses down, and makes me more alert of spiritual things. Well, every one of us in here, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. He's the teacher. He's the teacher. Now, He will take what's in that chapter and reveal it to your spirit. If you will spend time dwelling on it, lock your thoughts on it, roll it over and over, I have rolled a whole chapter as high as 30 to 50 times and one time over. I've read it as high as 50 times. I'd go over it and I'd stop. I'd pray in the Spirit. I'd stop and I'd look at that whole chapter again. Then I'd listen to my Spirit. Then I'd read it again and I'd listen to my Spirit. And pretty soon, highlights in that chapter, would begin to formulate in my spirit. In other words, I would begin to catch glimpses of the total thought that Jesus was trying to bring out in that chapter. And brother, here's the part that's neat. When you get the total revelation, and that's a fancy name for knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit. When you get the total revelation out of you, that's what worked. Then you know what? <laughs> oh man, he's told me some good stuff. Was you in here when we went through Matthew eighteen? That like it curled your hair, didn't it? Luke 17, various chapters that God has opened up because we've asked him to. And man, I'll tell you, some of you asking, God, why do I fail? And show me the quickest and the best way to get into the best that you have. Then when he showed us, some of you is going, goodness, there must be an easier way than that. (laughs) Goodness. And you'll just have to get the tapes to find out what's on that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But now, let's start this breakdown here and, And when we get over to Luke 6, and I picked on that, because you already know that chapter real well. And when we get over there and I begin to break it down, I'm going to do it in teaching, and I'm going to ask you questions. And I'm going to show you and I'm going to guide you, because the Holy Spirit has taught me to do this, so that, boy, we can leave you with one of the most precious gifts that you've ever received in any service in any church anywhere, and that is the ability to understand how to meditate by the Spirit of God and get what's in there out. Boy, now that's a precious, rare thing these days. Goodness. All right, let's start right here then. He said, Psalms 1 and 1. Blessed, blessed. Now right now, I can just start out by saying this. Goodness. How would you like to be called blessed by God? All right, now before I get too tongue-tied in this, we're going to read clear on down to the third verse in one total thought now. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law does he meditate. Now underline that word meditate. Day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season, in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, we're going to go slow, and I'm just going to comment through here on a few things and just show you a few things after I read over this many, many times and meditated on it to asked God what was in there. And then after going over it several times, praying in the Spirit, knowing what it said, I listened to my Spirit in the car. I listened to my Spirit in the office. Them, them thoughts are rolling over my spirit, and I listen to him and listen to him and listen to him, and pretty soon these things begin to open up to me. Now watch. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. All right, let's stop right there for a minute. All right, if I'm blessed by not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, then what do I do to get blessed? All right, now that brings us to the third verse, just real quick. But his delight... All right, if I'm not going to walk in counsel, if I'm not going to go to the ungodly for my counsel, then where do I go? There's the third verse. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate... Day and night. All right, if I don't go to the ungodly for my counsel, then where do I go? To where? Oh, boy, you're starting to see some things in here already. All right, then if I go to the... Now, this is what my spirit does, you know, it'll rise up. All right, now, if I go to the Word for my counsel then, then he said that whatever I receive from the Word of God in counsel causes me to be blessed because I'm not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. That means the Word of God works. All right? Then if I walk in the counsel of God, then where does that bring me there? And he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And by the way, I got stuck right there in the third verse, the first half, for a long time because you know, he says, if you believe in me, and Jesus speaking of himself, Now, as the Scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Who in the world are we planted in? And did you notice what he says? Believe in me as the what says? Jesus said, as the Scripture has said, then out of your bellies shall flow these rivers. Now, you're planting, boy, and we could go on for hours and hours right there of who we're planted in and how that works. And, in fact, we will be after a while. Woo! I'm telling you, I'm getting <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. All right? I'm not, I'm not blessed. I'm blessed if I don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. All right, then what counsel do I walk in? Well, I meditate my delights in the Word of God, and I meditate in it day in and day out. Now, stopping right here for a minute, of course, I know a lot of Scripture, but you know what this brings to my spirit all of a sudden? It brings this, the parable of the sower. Then down there he says, the measure of the word that you measure out to use is what you're going to get, and the breakdown on that is the measure of the word that you measure out, spend time meditating in and acting on, is what you're going to get, whether it's 30, 60, or 100 fold. All right, now look at this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And then some of you want prosperity. Whatsoever you do, you'll prosper. Now, I'm not going to stand this chapter very long, but I would like to ask you a question right now if you're looking at the third verse here. As you're looking at it, what do you suppose it means there? when it says your leaf won't wither. What do you suppose that means? He said whose leaf withers, not why? Because he's planted by where? By the rivers of water? And he says, all right, now, if I'm planted by a river, drought or anything else can come. I don't care. And he guaranteed me, Jesus did, he said my leaves would not wither. Well, now, the thing that I'm after here, boy, now, this is really thrilling me. He says, I'm blessed. Now, we're going to go back to the first verse for a minute, and believe me, I'm trying not to spend a whole lot of time here. I'm anxious to get over to Luke 6. But let's go back to the first verse, because he's not going to let me go yet. All right, blessed is the man, number one, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what they tell you. Jesus said, you're blessed by going and getting the counsel of the word. All right, then he said this, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now, what do you suppose that means? (laughs) Be where they're at and do what they do. You're right. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What do you think that means? All right, that's to point your finger and to condemn and scorn that goes further than that. It's a vicious, outward, public attack of scorn. All right, now there's two things that we'll do. And Then we'll meditate in the Word day in, day out. Now, in the third verse, with your pencils out, I want you to underline this because Jesus, teaching this by the Spirit of God, he said this. He said that if we meditate in the Word day and night, day and night, our counsel is in it. He said we would be like a tree. We'd be like a tree that's planted by the water. Now, any study that we've ever done here at the Center on Faith, you know that all through the New Testament, Jesus lacking faith to a grain of mustard seed. He said the whole kingdom of God operates like a seed. Well, we've studied seeds, we've studied seeds, and we've studied seeds. And I know this much. I know a tree comes from a seed, at least the one in the beginning did. Now, he said a man who meditates in the Word day in and day out would be like a tree that's planted by the water that would bring forth fruit in his season. He would. He would. Now, get this in your head. He likened us to a tree because all the faith principles operate on the seed principle. I mean, all faith operates on the seed principle. Get that down into your head now. He likened us to a tree. Now, why do you suppose he told Joshua to meditate day and night in the Word? He said so that he could observe to do all that was written there. In other words, the reason you meditate in the Word of God is so that the Holy Spirit can build into your spirit the correct way for you to act on it. And meditating creates a capacity for faith. All right, when I meditate in these Word, and the Holy Spirit opens it up to me, man, I know how to act on it then. And it's correct. All right. With this tree in your mind, let's go over to Luke 6. All right. For as long as I can remember, I've always preached. Oh, I think ever since I was born again and God called me to preach, I've always preached on this 48th, 47th verse here. I've always preached on it. The end of the chapter. Now, for the sake of meditation, we're going to go to the end of this chapter first, and then we're going to go back and go through different parts of it. And I want to show you what God did to me, because I spent probably almost two years on this one chapter. <laughs> two years almost. I don't mean consistently. I mean I returned to it about every two months and went through it again, and each time I could not believe my inner ears. I couldn't believe what the Spirit of God was saying to me. And I'd get there and I'd say, my God, man, I've never seen that before. Now, since we're going to talk about a tree, you and me as a tree, he said we'd be like a tree that's planted by water. Our leaves won't fail. We'll bring forth our fruit in due season. So since he likened us to a tree, then I I know by heart there's a tree in this chapter, so we're going to go to the tree and we're going to start right there. Forty-third verse. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For a thorn's men do not gather figs, nor a bramble bushes gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth that which is good and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth that which is evil for the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Back to 43. For a good tree brings forth not corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. In other words, he's saying here, and I'll just throw this out there, that if you're growing thorns, If you're growing thorns, it's because you planted them. <laughs> oh, boy. I, just, I know I said a mouthful. How many of you ever walked out and it was time to have the bills paid and it was time for a harvest and it was time for your old body to get well? And you walked out there and you went to your harvest place, you know, and you reached up for a big old grape. And when you squeezed your finger on the grape, all of a sudden you come back with a pricked finger and you go, Oh, my God, that's supposed to be a grapevine. What happened to my finger? Where'd that thorn come from? Don't act surprised. You planted it. I just don't understand why I'm failing. You planted it. He said the man that meditates in his word day in and day out to observe to do it, is like a man that's planted by a river, and he'll bear fruit in due season, not thorns. So if you're bearing thorns, it's because you... (laughs) I knew you'd really love me for that. (laughs) All right, now, you think it's easy on you now... Now, we ain't read the whole chapter yet, and I'd like to read it with you about ten times before I started in on this. But For the sake of showing you, I read this chapter, oh, 50 times or something, and then I got down to this tree here, and it's always been a great mystery to me, this tree here. And all of a sudden, you know, when I was meditating in real deep thought on this, and I was reading, my eyes fell on that, and the Holy Spirit rose up in me, and he says, Now, son, I, I'm going to ask you a question. If you can answer it, it'll be the key for this whole chapter and understanding it. And so he asked me this question. He says, Why do you suppose the tree as at the end of the chapter? And I thought about it and I didn't know. So I just sat there and I listened to the Lord, you know, and I listened for a while and I sat there and I looking at that and I said, I don't know, you know. And then I waited and waited and pretty soon the Holy Spirit spoke up on the inside of me and said, Son, because that is the harvest. That tree is the end result. That tree is the product of what you planted through this whole chapter, all of these sayings. And he says, see, this tree is you. Now, look at the 44th verse. For every tree is known by... Now, with his little pencil, here's a word you probably overlooked. His, H-I-S. Now, you got the hint yet who that's talking about? Well, now, in order for a tree to grow, it's got to have been planted... And he says, every tree is known by his fruit. And he said, son, he says, the reason this tree is at the end of this chapter because my sayings are all through this chapter, and you're an end product of what you've done with these sayings. Now, he told me, he says, if you planted thorns, then don't be surprised when you reach up and grab hold of a thorn. Woo! Woo! Now, we could spend the rest of the night right here on that tree. (laughs) But now I'm going to show you some things while we're on that tree. But I'm going to go back to it for a minute, but we've got to get the subject out of this chapter. Now, with your pencils, I want you to write this also down now. Especially in the parables of Jesus. Especially. Especially in the parables. All the parables have a subject. In other words, there is a revelation, there is a point, there is a subject. Every parable has a subject, and every parable has an objective. There is an object that you are to arrive at, an objective. Every parable, especially the parables, have a subject, And they have an objective. And when you're going through them, look first for the subject by the Spirit of God and then meditate for the objective. In other words, why did Jesus teach? And the subject of the the teaching might be the Word of God, a man, or a thing. But the objective is what that man, thing, or the Word is supposed to produce in your life. Now, every parable almost, in fact, about 19 in the book of Matthew, Jesus said this. The kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God is like, it's like a mustard seed. It's like a children. It's, it go, it's like fish. It's like a treasure hid in a field. And every one of them, the subject was the treasure hid in a field. The objective of it was what the treasure was and how you get it out and what it does for you when you do. The kingdom of God is like the pearl of great price. There's an objective and there is a subject. Now, In order to really unlock a chapter, we first we've got to look for the subject because we want to realize what Jesus is teaching on and secondarily what he is trying to get over to us. Now, especially in parables and also in just regular teaching, a man will come up and say something to Jesus and Jesus' response to the man. The man had the subject, he had the problem, he had a need. The response of Jesus by the Spirit of God is what will work in your behalf if the circumstances are right. That's the objective. What does what he said to that man mean to me, and how can I apply it to my life? (laughs) All right, we're going to find the subject of this chapter now. We're going to find the subject before we go on any further. And In order to do that, just look at the 46th verse. You learning anything? (laughs) All right, the 46th verse. And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not them things which I say? Then he summed the whole teaching up in the 47th verse, and we're going to read it. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he's like. He is like a man which built a house, dig deep, laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. Now, the rock that it was founded on was not only hearing Jesus' sayings, but doing what? All right, now you tell me. You tell me, what is the subject? Now, if you have to, read it again. Read 47 again. And when you get done, you tell me, what is the subject of this chapter? Somebody got it already? What? What? Fruit? Yes. That's part of it. That's what it was after. (laughs) Yes. That's right. That's, that's about, just about nailed it on the head. Anybody else want to word that? Yes? Acting? Yes? All right. You guys summed it up in, in all of your comments. The subject of this is not only hearing, hearing, but doing. All right. That's the subject now. That is the key. That subject is the key to unlocking the whole rest of the chapter. Now, the objective is what? The subject and the objective is in the summary of this thing, and that's 47, 48, and on through to the end of the chapter. But we just have to deal with 47 right now. All right, what's the objective? What's he trying to get over to you? Anybody want to comment? The objective is, yes, excellent. Anybody else want to word that? Anyone else? What's the objective? That's excellent. Obedience? Almost. What's the object? You're close. All of you are just right on the All right, the subject is a man that does the Word. Not only hears it, but does it. The objective is this. The objective is a man that will do the words. The object that he'll arrive at is it don't matter how bad the storm looks. It don't matter how bad the circumstances look. You're the tree that's planted by the water. It don't matter how bad, how bad it looks. The objective is that you will always arrive at this end. Your house will never, never, never go down the river. Well, now that's quite an object. All right, now we have subject and objective here. Now, I, boy, i First of all, I preached on this, you know, I preached doing Jesus' things, walking on water, <laughs> dividing the fish and loaves, calming the storm, and raising the dead. Them was doing Jesus' sayings, you know, and that's what I preached on all the time. And one day the Lord spoke to me just by accident, you know, and he says, why don't you get into the chapter and find out what my sayings are if you really don't want to fail and I tell you what, I would have rather went back to raising the dead and dividing fishes and loaves and walking on water. <laughs> because if we're going to just skip across the page just for a minute in the 27th verse. And I want you to read the first four words. Just, just read it. The first four words. He said, Not only hears, but does my sayings. Read the first four words. But I say, <laughs> But I say unto you, But I say unto you. Here's the first saying, and just to shock your system a little, let's let's see what it is. But I say unto you. Now, I already prayed he'd give you the ears to hear. (laughs) Because they're going to curdle and plug if they can. (laughs) All right, number one saying, see. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. I'd rather raise the dead. Oh, goodness. Now, the next step the Lord showed me. I says, all right, you said he digged deep and laid the foundation. Digged deep. Digged deep. dig deep. Digged deep. I said, what you got in there for me? Digged deep. And I asked the Lord, what do you got? Dig deep. Dig deep. Dig deep. Dig deep. And then I pictured a guy out there with a pick. And the Lord said, that's right, that's right, that's right. Now, what's the subject? And I said, well, well doing Doing the word. Hearing them do it. He says, All right, what do you think I mean when I said dig deep? And I said, Oh, dig deep into the word. <laughs> Why? Why? So you'd know how to act on it and build your house right on a rock. Oh, goodness. This could get interesting, couldn't it? All right, now that we have the subject. And the objective, it won't be hard for you to go ahead and break this thing down now. Break the whole chapter down. But I, boy, I wish I had more time tonight, but we're going to dwell on that tree now. We're going to dwell on that tree. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's go back. Now, can you see this? And We're going to talk about this for a moment. Now, what if you choose not to do good to them that hate you? All right. Jesus, you know, he he covers everything. What if I don't want to do that? What if I don't want to do the next one? I send you that smiteth thee on one cheek, turn the other one. What if I don't want to do that? What if I don't want to do 28? (laughs) Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. What if I don't want to do that? I mean, there probably ain't ten of us in here that is. Now, you don't need to come up to me anymore and say, Better Roberson. Yes. How come I can't get my prayers answered? How come my financial deal fell through? How come I'm depressed all the time? How come? How come? How come? You don't need to say that anymore. Oh, yeah, well, we, well, we'll help you, praise God, you know what? <laughs> We're all learning, see, and there's a difference between being a student and being rebellious against the things of God. There's a difference. There's a difference between being taught and graduating step-to-step by discipline in the Word of God and the difference between somebody that is fighting the Word of God with traditions or something. Then you're in trouble. Basically, you are in trouble. Well, let's just say, well, what if I don't want to do these things? All right, then we got the end of the chapter. The 49th verse. But he that heareth and doeth not, <laughs> goodness, is like a man without a foundation built his house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was what? All right, now, you see, it's your choice. This is the thing about Jesus. He says, if your hand offends you, you cut it off. You're the one that cuts it off. In other words, you're the one that bears the correction. He says, and if you're without chastisement, which means correction, and instructions, you're bastards and not sons. But if you are chastised and stand corrected of God, then you're sons. What what son does God receive that he don't correct and scourge. In other words, when you get off, he'll correct you and get you back on if you're open and willing to be corrected by God. Now, now, this is what I'm saying, is that right? you don't have to do these sayings. Of course you don't. You don't have to succeed either. Now, I want to look at this house for a minute, just as we're meditating on this. Goodness. All right, I meditated on this house. Now, there's two kinds of men here, and we're going to examine both of them for a minute. Because some people get confused. They say, well, Brother Roberson, are you saying that I'll never have a test and I'll never have a trial? No, what I'm saying is in the middle of anything the devil gets you into, you can win. Now, even though you're a house built on the right foundation, it said the devil is going to send a storm against you and by every natural appearance, by looking at it, tasting it, touching it, my God, it looks like you're going to go under. There's no way you can help it. You're going to go down. All natural, the stream roll, it beating on the house, it looks like it's going to go. But Jesus gave you his personal guarantee that no matter what it looked like, your house would not go down. Now, the difference between you and somebody whose house did go down is one of them is doing, Jesus saying, and the other one is not because if you would have, your house wouldn't have went down. Now, in the chapter, he says, judge not. You won't be judged if your house goes down over everything you're doing, standing on the Word. It's because Satan was allowed to bring a judgment against your house, which God did not check when you bound the devil. Mm -hmm. All right, it took me a while to face that, but I did. When I'm failing, I don't have to look any further than the end of my nose. And neither do you. Now, he said, if you're planted by the waters, he said, you're going to bring forth fruit in your season, and your leaves will not wither. Now, we're going to go back to that that tree now. So let's back up and find out about these thorns and things. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, I spent a good deal of time on this tree, and it took me to Luke 17, and since we just finished the teaching on that, Luke 17 says that if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now... What does that say to you? Now follow with me close because I going to guarantee you if you can learn to do this, it'll change your life. Jesus never wasted any words and when he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now what does that say to you? You know that men have made a mystery out of faith since the beginning of time? You've said this, oh, if I had more faith. And i said... My God, if I, if I just knew how faith worked, man, I'd be the most faithful guy in the world. I'd have all, and we've made such a, oh, it's a spiritual force, and it blah, blah, and everybody's got a different, have more faith, and you try to have it, and it don't work. Next time something works, you don't know why. <laughs> you believe something in this time, you try it again, and you fail. And You ask everybody, and they said it wasn't God's time. He wanted you to be sick a little longer. It's redemptive. You're supposed to be broke so you can be humble. We, we divert to all these answers because it seems stupid, you know. One time we pray and it works, and another time we pray and it doesn't. Well, the force that makes prayer work is faith. You're just talking if you haven't got faith behind your prayers. Prayers don't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. If you didn't have faith when you went into prayer, then your prayers ain't going to work. Prayer makes, well, faith makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. Well, faith has been a big mystery, and it has in the Pentecostal world, because we try to operate it. And, and I know you ladies, you prayed heaven and hell together at times. At times, you walking on your tiptoes, bouncing on clouds. Everything you prayed for, you got, and then all of a sudden, you're out praying the same prayers, and nothing's happening, and you wonder, well, I must be doing it wrong. or I just don't understand this faith. I just don't understand it. Well, you know what he said here? He said, faith has as a grain of mustard seed, you could move a tree into the ocean every time if you had faith as in the word as means that acted like. And you know what that says? All the mystery that's been built around faith, all you've got to do is take a mustard seed and study the phases that little booger goes through to produce fruit, and then you have got the insight of God himself on how faith works. And i tell you what, the inside of God works. It's revelation now. But I thought, "Well, oh, you dummy, all I've got to do is take a seed and go plant a thing and watch it through the different phases, and I'll know exactly, I mean to the detail exactly how faith works. All right, now, isn't it interesting? He says a man that meditates day and night in the counsel of God, in his counsel is like a tree. And your first meditations was always in seed form. Your first plantings. You wasn't a tree when you began. You was born of incorruptible seed. The Word of God. You started out as a new creation, the perfect ground for every seed that would be sown in your life from that day forth. When you become a new creation, you became perfected ground to plant seeds in from that day forth, And if you'll go through that chapter and you say this, Brother, what if I don't want to love my enemies? And every time you fight with them, you're just planting bad seed and it's going to come to maturity like good seed. And that's how where the thorns and the briars come from. That's how you're going to be known by what you're growing out of a lifetime of saying. All right, now, I thought as smart as I am, as smart as you are, Never could lock on to what faith is and to study a seed. <laughs> all right. Now we know a tree comes from a seed. Do we not? At least in the beginning. All right. Since he compared us to a tree now in two different places, let's look at this tree. Yeah. Oh goodness. Some of you looking at me like, how'd you get all that out of there? It was easy. I turned my meditator on. All right. 43 then. Since we got the subject and the objective, the object is how to have a house built that won't fall, and the subject was not only hearing but doing his word. All right, let's go into 43. For a good tree. Now, we can find out what a good tree is. Bring forth not corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit, for every tree is known by... Now, notice that his. That'll tell you something. His own fruit for of thorns men do not gather figs now. If you got thorns, it's because you planted them or allowed them to be planted. If you have thorns, he says you don't harvest grapes from thorns. In other words, the seeds got messed up somewhere. You you planted the wrong ones. All right. You say, how do you know all that? Oh, we'll get to that. All right, he says. For thorns men do not gather figs, nor bramble bushes gather they grapes. In other words, the kind of tree that you are is going to be the kind you planted. All right, the next verse says, A good man, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart. Now, I I don't know how to bring this treasures of the heart out any better than an illustration that God's given me, so I'm going to give that illustration to you again. You seen Alibaba and the Forty Thieves? Anybody? Oh, come on. You seen Alibaba and the Forty Thieves? And them old boys, you know, they run out there, and they loot all the caravans with camels. And some of them diamonds were that big around and that tall, you know, and the sapphires and the rubies, great big things, biggest baseballs. And crowns with jewels all over. And they had this, well, anyway, they walked up to this cave, and they said, open says me. And that thing went, it opened up, and they didn't need light bulbs or anything in there. You know why? Because, boy, them diamonds, they lit the whole walls of the cave up. You didn't need electricity or nothing. <laughs> treasure chest, and the rocks and the stuff was stacked pearls on the rocks all over, and just lit the whole cave up. Cave. And that was called a treasure house. And it was in there, a treasure house. Now, I don't know if you've ever caught this before, but do you realize what they'd say in there? It says, out of the good treasures, or out of the treasures, out of the treasures of a good man's what? You mean to tell me that your spirit, your heart, is the treasure house that these good things come out of? You mean contained within your spirit is all the resources? and the riches that is needed for you to have come to pass what you say with your mouth. You mean to tell me that that is where the seed draws from? From the treasures within your spirit? Now, Jesus said it when he's teaching in Mark 11, 22 and 24. He said, if you say to the mountain, be removed and doubt not where? In your heart. You'll have what you say. You know, I used to look at the oil. I used to look at the money situation. I used to look at anything else. But I found out that when the treasure house was in my spirit, that I didn't need to look any further than what I was saying with my mouth to get my needs met. All right. Now, he said, Out of the good treasures of a good man's heart, your heart is the ground that everything that you're doing grows out of. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's what you are. You are this year what you produced out of your heart last year, whether it's failure or whether it's success. Next year, you're going to be what you grew out of your treasure house this year. All right, I don't know if you ever caught that, but I can't. I look at every word Jesus said, and I got so excited. No wonder Jesus said, "Doubt not in your heart," because He called your spirit, he called it a place where all the resources and all the treasures are, all that you'd ever need to bring to pass what you're saying with your mouth. Well, if he called you and me a tree and a tree come from a seed, let's look once again at this seed principle. I don't need to look any further than a mustard seed and study the different phases of it to know how faith works. Whenever I say something with my mouth and believe it with my heart, that is the planting of this tree that is the planting now let 's examine this my wife you know the kids they just got onto to growing beans, so I like to let 's use beans as an example, should we she 's got a, and you know what she has them do She has them take a handful of beans and throw them in a in a in a little puddle of you know a bowl of water just 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 to barely cover them and them beans are real little. And it's the neatest thing I've ever seen because they threw a whole handful in and they transplant them, you know, into dirt. If they throw these beans into this water and pretty soon them tiny little bitty, dinky, round beans. Now, you've got to remember, I'm studying faith. They go and they swell up about three or four times their size. Just get big, fat, puffed up looking things. And I go, whoo. And I says, ain't that just like a baby Christian, you know? They'll first get a hold of the Word of God and they just puff up. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you know, they swell up <laughs> And then I watched them seeds You know, and then they planted them And I walked by Because I was meditating in this thing And I'd watch them seeds every day And they got real big, fat, and puffy And pretty soon, the neatest thing happened Because this little old bitty finger-looking root Just one Look at the, it, the, the thing come sticking out of there and it came out and stuck in the water. Now, i got to say this. At this stage, when that thing begins to grow, if you don't transplant it into soil, you know what it's going to do? It's going to do like the Christians that live on just pure praise. They shoot real fast, and they, they just, boy, they look real good for a while. And because there's no minerals mixed with the water... The plant will wither up and pretty soon it will get waterlogged and fall over and and die. But now that little root comes out. Do you know what it's searching for? That little root is searching for ground. And when it finds it, it plugs itself into the ground. And the ground in there, out of the abundance of a good man's heart, good things come to pass. And in his heart is the treasure house. In other words, that root is looking to stick into the treasure house the powerhouse, the resources, everything that that little root needs is contained in that treasure house and it sticks itself into that ground and begins to draw the minerals out that will pop the image of what that seed is into existence. Now, the second phase I learned is studying about seeds, that seeds come forth after their kind. If you plant a seed of fear, then what kind of tree you think you're gonna get? But you plant one of faith. Now the second thing, as you hold that seed up, it looks so little, and you know as it is, it wouldn't feed anybody. But you know you take that seed and know this about it. If it's a, a bean seed like we had, the deepest thing about it that is it's in that seed, the diagram, all oh, this just amazes me about God. The diagramming and the programming. For a whole beanstalk is contained in that little seed. It's in there. And when I throw it into the ground, that root reaches into the treasure house and begins to draw the minerals out that it needs to construct that bean plant. Now, that's the doubting not in your heart, and the Word of God carries the image of the seed that you're speaking for. Now, if this is your image, I believe, according to the Word of God, that Jesus bore my infirmities, carried my diseases, and by his stripes I was healed on January 1st, 1979. I was, and that's the only thing I'm going to say about it. Well, then that seed is planted in your spirit, and it is growing, and it's growing, and the roots are taking root in in your spirit, in the, the resource house, in the mineral house, in the treasure house. And it is going to draw out of your spirit to fling the image of the thing that you're saying into existence. Whew. <laughs> oh goodness. Well I tell you this could get interesting. All right, now let's look at this tree now again. Now, he said faith acts like that. And now now can you begin to understand why he put the tree at the end of the chapter? All right, now let's go to the beginning, because if I do this chapter once again, he said, I'm like a tree planted by the waters. Now, can you understand that them roots dug deep down into the soil, and that river always watered the roots, so that tree had all the minerals it needed, and plus all the minerals it had all the water it needed, and it consistently, without fail, brought a harvest every due season. Now, that's me, and that's you. If the image we're planting in our spirit is the Word of God is the word of God. meditating in it day and night, delight myself in it. Have nothing else in me, then that is what is going to grow out. All right. Goodness. Now, this tree is at the end of this chapter. It's at the end of this chapter. Because the tree is a product of what you did with Jesus' sayings. Now, did you know a lot of you, boy, and I know myself, I was, oh, my land. I planted some things that should not be planted. I said some things. I stood and I believed things that was not of the word. I couldn't harvest. They didn't produce. I used to preach ultra holiness and it produced that in my life. When I said ultra holiness, I mean everybody that got born again. We supposed to clean them up. And preached about all the people that run away at the piano player and all that. And pretty soon you got the same. You sow all that seed, and pretty soon that's you're producing that in your congregation. <laughs> and then I preached something else, and I'd preach something else, and all that stuff continued. It, it just keep coming back on me. Now that tree is at the end of this chapter. Is because if you're growing brambles and thorns, it's because. Somewhere along here you didn't do Jesus the same and you didn't plan them. Now Jesus said, doubt not in your heart. Doubt not in your heart. You'll have what you say. You know why I don't do these things? You know why I don't do good to my enemies and, and good to them that curse me and hate me and pray for them? You know why I don't do them things? Because I'm doubting in my heart that it will produce what it says it will for me. That's why I don't do it. That's why I fight with you, and, and when you do me wrong and curse me, I don't forgive you. That's why you rip me off $50,000. I won't lose you from it. That's why I go on warring with you. You know why? It's because I doubt in my heart that I really believe that it'll produce what it says it will. I doubt it. If I did not, then I would do it. All right, now let's look at your planting let see what kind of tree you are. <laughs> All right? But I say unto you which here love your enemies. Now, which one are you planting on that? And continue to plant. I know, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to walking on water and, and raising the dead and dividing fish and loaves.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Now, let's look at the 31st verse there. I'm showing you highlights of this thing when God opened this up to me. I'm still in minor shock over the whole thing. All right, now he said in 31, he said in 31, As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Now, in the light of the rest of this chapter, I want you to read that over and tell me why do you think Jesus said that. Anybody want to shoot at it? Read 31 again. One more time, read it. And then listen to your spirit. You mean there's spiritual law involved there? All right, that's good. In the back. Because you reap what you sow. You mean Jesus didn't just say this because you're supposed to be Christians and be good guys? And you know, and then this is the golden rule, you know, as you would want people to do. The United States adopted that. Do it to them likewise. Now, it sounds like a good gesture. Uh, There's a false humility that enters in here at this point. When I say that, I mean this. There's a a false Christian humility that enters in where people, they say, well, look how much I can take. Look how much I can take. And I'm supposed to be a mealy, mealy Christian and do good to people. But do you know there's spiritual law, and Jesus said this for a reason? He's still talking about this tree we're heading for at the end of it, all right? He says... And as you would that men should do to you, do also to them. Likewise, in other words, whatever you want to harvest, man, sow. And he said, you will. You will harvest. Sow. Now, again, if this storm rises and beats on your house and you tried, you know, you said all the right things, I believe According to Mark 11, 23 and 24, I say to this problem, depart from me problem, and you go leave me alone and all this and say all the good scriptures, quote all of them over your body, you know, by his stripes I was healed, he bore my infirmities, carried my diseases, and then still you die. The reason is, somewhere along this line, you walked in a part of the word that caused you to harvest that failure and you fail to correct it because you won't dig deep and meditate and do what Jesus said to do. Now, he said this golden rule for a reason. Now, as you would that men should do to you, do what? All right, there's spiritual law involved there. In other words, you would reap. Now, now let's carry this a little further. Let's go down to the 37th verse. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us. All right, now these are his sayings. He said, you fail if you don't do them. All right, now look at this. Judge not. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. And you know what? I, I don't know what I thought that meant. At the judgment of the, of the last day, I won't be judged then. Or judge you not now, and I won't be. I, I didn't really know what that meant until I was in this meditation real deep on it. And the Lord spoke up, and he says, go to the house. Now, look at the house for a minute. And I went over to the house, and he says, all right, when the man's house falls, no matter what, over all that he tries to do to keep it up, the Lord told me it's because it's founded on sand. Now, the difference between these two guys is, one, the storm beat on your house. Yeah, in other words, the devil's going to throw slams at you. Yeah, sure he is. The difference between you and the other guy, your house, no matter what it looks like, if you're covered with cancer from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, you're one big cancer blob. If you're doing the Word and you've done it and continue to do it, you're not going to die. Now, he said, judge not, you won't be judged, and I kept looking at that, and I kept seeing people being mean to me because I was mean to them. Something along this line, and Lord, finally, did jar my thinking, He says, "No, I'm talking about spiritual judgment." He says, "Whenever you bring a judgment against somebody else, you know, you it ain't a righteous judgment because you don't know the end from the beginning. You don't care about their welfare. You're putting them down to put you up. The worse you can make somebody else look like in judging them, then the better usually you can make yourself look. You pick on other people's faults." Because it exalts you above them. It's usually, well, it's a self-righteous. I wouldn't be the way that they are. Because it always puts you one step above them. Now, he said, judge not. You won't be judged. The judgment he is talking about is a spiritual judgment that is returned on you by Satan. And it causes your house to go down. And he also said, condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive. All right? For judgment, I plant mercy. For condemnation, I plant love. For aught and strife, I continue to plant forgiveness. Because the devil, Jesus said this, Satan cometh to steal the word. He's after the seed. He said this, All persecution and all afflictions, and this will help you, they arise for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to choke the production of the Word of God before it can come to harvest and solve your problem. All persecution and affliction arise for one reason and one reason. Now get me close. The devil may line 500 people up at your doorstep to judge you and to condemn you and to bring ought and strife against you. And if all the pressure they gain against you, you refuse to move off the rock and make any kind of judgment, condemnation, or any kind of strife, or any kind of fight, then he has failed in what he's attempted to do on you, to cause you to open your mouth and sow your field with bad seed, and not only that, to walk in it. If he cannot get you to do that, cannot, no matter how bad it looks and how bad they're doing you, how bad they're persecuting you, if you was in the bottom of Siberia in a coal mine, if they was dragging you out and persecuting you, if you refuse to move with the pressure of the devil, then he cannot get you to open your mouth and sow the bad seed. And that's what also comes to harvest. He said, You'd be known by your fruit. I've made my mind up. I'm going to walk in the love and walk in the fullness of this chapter and sow good seed. Because I know if I don't give the devil foothold, and that's what Jesus meant when he said, The rat comes. But he has no place in me. Satan cometh, but he has no place in me. Meaning this. Never in Jesus' ministry, never. Did the devil ever gain any foothold by any pressure, persecution, affliction, cares? And he took the cares in the Garden of Gethsemane until he cried out. And he says, my God, he resisted the entry of that care until he says, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But in submission, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And his whole life, the devil failed to get any foothold in Jesus' life. He said he has no place in me. Therefore, he harvested nothing with Jesus. Woo. Now, in order for you to walk in that kind of faith, it's the simplest thing. It's not grunting. It's not praying. And it's not praying a hard prayer. It's not praying all night long, begging God. It is simply speaking the Word of God and walking in this chapter until you harvest. Now, can you imagine the position the devil's in if he can't get you to plant? Your house ain't going down. That little, he gets littler every day. (laughs) Hallelujah. All I had to know was what to do. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you're, you're doubting in your heart, and you won't have what you say. Oh, this stuff gets better all the time. Goodness. I tell you what, this is turning me on. This makes me want to steer clear of strife a half a mile. I want to go ten foot around it, boy. Mm-hmm. All right, now we're going to have to go on just a little bit. Now, do you suppose, I'm just going to read 38 and 39 right on through and then comment on it. i got to let you go. Now, can you see how meditating in these, this whole chapter goes together? There was a highlight of it. You don't supposed to pick just simple scriptures out of that. He said there was a reason for each one of these scriptures he spoke. He was heading towards the ultimate goal, the harvest of your tree and a house that could not be shaken. That was the whole teaching of this chapter, not for you men to take this 38th verse out of here and take offerings on it. (laughs) Now let's find out what that 38 really means in the light of the whole chapter. Are you ready? He says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall so men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure everybody, it shall be measured to you. Again, in other words, man, if you sow goodness and mercy and justice for hate, cursings, and despiteful using if you sow money, it includes that. If you sow mercy for judgment, love for condemnation, and forgiveness for ought, and the measure you sow it and give it out, praise God, that's the measure. It's going to come back on you. You ugly thing. <laughs> you sure are pretty to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, it includes money. It includes the whole spectrum. The whole scope of this chapter is included in there. Or give, the measure I give it out is what I'm going to reap. There's no prison in hell that can hold a man that can grow his way out of it. You know, Paul... You you think, well, Paul, well, what about Paul? He'd know more about the word of God than anybody. What about Paul? You know one time he was betwixt two opinions? (laughs) And you know they say that tradition says the axe was grinding behind the door. And he says, I'm between two opinions, whether to stay here and go home Well you'd think that the jailers had the choice whether he left or not. (laughs) Now wouldn't you? He says, I'm between two opinions. He says, he would rather go personally. but he says, for your sakes, because you don't know the word of God, and the devil beats you up all the time. He says, it's more expedient for you or necessary that I stay. He says, but however, I am caught between two opinions, and he decided to stay. <laughs> well, they're the one that had him in jail. That tickles me pink. And you know where it says, whatever state I'm in? Herewith I found to be content, you know, destitute, all that. You know what that really says in the Greek? It says, whatever state I'm in, I found myself to be independent of circumstances. And you know, a lot of people have thrown this scripture out there. They says, precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. You know, and I had a guy that uh, he got killed at a young age, and this woman got on the phone. She says, precious in the sight of God. Well, I says, yeah. Yeah, but I says you want to know what that you think of dying? You th- it look, sounds like everybody preaches it at funerals like God's glad you got killed. You know, precious. Oh, it was precious in his sight. But you know what the, the, the Hebrew is on that? Costly. Costly in the sight of the Lord. Costly. In other words, he needs you. He needs you. Now, now, I ask God this now to sum this thing up, see. Because then I got caught in the thing, I'm not going to judge anybody. I don't care what they're doing. If you can go and jump off a cliff, and I'm not going to go up and say, you shouldn't go jump off the cliff, you might get hurt. See, and your judgments can go that far. Somebody, you know, be running off somebody else's wife, and you say something, and they say, oh, I'm not going to judge the man because I don't know his heart. You know, and I ask God, and I say, Lord, where's the line on this? I said, I wouldn't sow a bad seed if you beat me to death with a broomstick. You know, I'm just you not, know, I'm tired of harvesting failure, you know. I'm going to walk in this thing. I'm going to walk in love. I'm walking the best you got. And that old devil in hell going to bring my house down. Everybody around me can walk in whatever they want. This old boy has got his shield up and his armor on. Whatever you do will not affect my walk. You can't make me hate you. You can't get me to despise you. I love you. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) And it's for my self-survival as well as yours. (laughs) It says, Pray one for another that you might be healed. (laughs) All right. Now I ask him, I say, Well, when can I judge? I I don't get to say nothing. You know, where do you draw the line? So I just thanked my God when I got into this next one. 41 says this, And why beholdest thou the mote that's in thy brother's eye, but perceiveth not the beam that's in your own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote that's in your eye, when thyself you have a beam in your own eye? And then he says, You hypocrite. Cast out first the beam that's in your own eye, and you shall see clearly to pull out the mote that's in thy brother's eye. In other words, praise God, I spent enough time on this. You know what this is saying? If I'm in the same strife you are, if I'm in the same boat, and I jump up there, I can't help you. Get out of your problem, because I'm in the same one. In the blind lead the blind, we both fall in the ditch, and that's in here too, so how can I, if you mean, you know, we're hashers and we're talkers and most of you preachers are, uh, it made make me sick when I stepped out of the congregation. And the first thing I got into with other preachers when they recognized me finally as not a mill hand, not a chain puller, but recognized me as a minister. And I went to a minister's council meeting, so a ministerial association meeting at dinner where all the preachers in town was nice enough to get together and have dinner and talk. Oh, it took me three days to believe God for my finances again. <laughs> I never heard anything so sick in all my life. And I thought, oh, good, I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back. And I'll be honest with you folks, if you heard the way some of them talk about you when you're not there, you wouldn't go back either. And it, it just turned, I got disillusioned. See, I sat in the congregation and listened to these guys and thought they were something else. Found out most of them was preaching it for you and wasn't doing it yourself. And that's the worst shape you can be in because he said, you're a hypocrite, man. You can't get the moat out of anybody else's eye when you're running around one in your own. I can't help you when I'm in strife. See, we end up blacking each other's eyes. The only way I can help you is if I'm completely out of it and then and only then will I see your problem. And when I see your problem, when I'm completely out, I start walking this, then I can deal with your problem and with you because it don't matter what you do to me. You can stick your tongue out at me, call me ugly, fight me, strife me, and I won't fight back and I will not respond. And therefore, I can see clear to get it out of your eye, but if I'm going to act anyway like you are, then I can't help you get it out because i got one in my own now now watch this Because see I asked God, I says, All right, you know, being a minister, I want to get I want to help the guy get the moat out of his eye. I want to do it. But I says, You're gonna have to show me then how to get the beam out of mine. Oh ho ho. Now I'm gonna ask you, because I meditated on this and I said, All right, Lord, how do I get the beam out of my eye? And he spoke up on the inside of me and he told me so I'm going to ask you, anybody got an idea? That's right. I says, Lord, I, I'll get the beam out of my eye. And he says, all right, back up and start with, bless them that curse you. Pray for them that smile. And he says, and when you've done all of that up to this point, he says, you've certainly extracted the beam out of your eye. And he says, at this point then, he says, you can help anybody get a little little moat out of theirs. Now, do you want to see the ultimate goal of this thing? you want to see the ultimate goal? All right. The 40th verse. The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect. Now, I've got a margin rendering here. I've got a little one. And the Greek says, shall be perfected as his master. Now, what this is saying, the disciple, that's a disciplined follower of the word. That's what disciple means. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Disciples, discipline, follow. Now, can you can you imagine what this is saying? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfected as his master shall be as his master. Now, I'm going to ask you, who's your master? Who? Did you realize that when you walk and perfect in the Word of God like this, that you can walk just like Jesus? Just like Jesus. He was a tree. He was the root that sprang up from Jesse. He was the planting of God. He was the axe that was laid to the root. He was the rivers of living water that our roots grew into and our tree took root in. He says, everybody that is like I'm a disciplined follower of Jesus' words. And as I do and conform to them, I become just like Jesus. Every planting that I plant in faith with my mouth, I'll harvest. I'll not have any thorns unless I plant them. And every storm against my house as against Jesus' house, it will not wash me away because I am founded on doing his saying.